Welcome to the Harmony and Healing Podcast, a podcast about music, health, wellness, and activism that will help you to find balance between life as a musician and self-care with health and wellness. I'm your host, Jazzy Piggott, a tuba player, composer, certified personal trainer, writer, educator, and podcaster based in Baltimore, Maryland. So I know last week I had said, yes, I'm totally going to keep doing new episodes during this very difficult month of um, May. I lied. Um, (laughs) Things are a little bit hectic for me right now, and I actually left my microphone at home, so apologies for the audio right now. Um, So for this week, I am just going to repost an older episode, and that will be episode 13 on nutrition. So I hope you can benefit from that, and I will be back hopefully by the end of the month with uh, new content. So enjoy hello welcome to the harmony and healing podcast a podcast about music health wellness and activism that will help you to find balance between life as a musician and self-care through health and wellness I'm Jazzy Pickett, your host, a tuba player, personal trainer, composer, writer, and podcaster based in Baltimore, Maryland. Today, I will be talking more in depth about nutrition, why it's important, basic nutritional habits you can adopt, a look at calorie counting, intuitive eating, and intermittent fasting, and a brief overview on supplements. So if you listen to episode 10, um, 10 Tips to Living Your Best Self, I did briefly talk about nutrition, so this episode is just going more into depth on some things that I brought up in that episode. Also, I hope you enjoyed our two guests these past few weeks. I am looking to bring on more guests, so as I reach out to people, I'm going to be releasing those in between solo episodes like this one for the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. All right, so when most people hear about nutrition, a lot of people tend to roll their eyes, especially those people who seem to be already healthy. They're not really overweight or anything. They're just living their best lives. But nutrition is super important to everybody because what you put into your body is what you get out of it. So if you listen to episode 10, you know my fueling a car analogy. So nutrition is basically fueling a car. You can fuel your car with literally anything You can put it in a gas tank, technically. But you know you want to put your best gas in there because that's going to get your car riding the best it can. The more quality you put in, the more quality you can get out. And if you don't adequately fuel, you're going to run out of gas and inevitably you're going to either crash or just stall out on the road and need some extra support that you could have avoided in the beginning. So yes, nutrition is just like this. You want to treat your body like a car and make sure you're fueling yourself properly and fueling all the activity you need to do. Musicians, you are athletes of fine motor skills, so that means you are using your muscles pretty regularly and you should be treating yourself as an athlete. So now that you understand why nutrition is important, hopefully, here are some basic nutritional habits you can adopt. Tip number one is to eat primarily whole foods. There was a study done that showed that consumption of processed foods increased average calorie consumption of about 500 calories a day for most people. They had actually put a bunch of people in a room. They did a paired study 
one group was given highly processed foods and the other group was given whole foods, fruits, vegetables, meats, grains, things like that. After controlling for macros, it turned out that the people in the highly processed group actually consumed about 500 calories more on average than the group who consumed whole processed foods. The next day, they even actually went and did a, a flip on the groups just to see maybe, oh, it could be the people and it was the same results. So if you're consuming these hyper palatable processed foods, you're probably going to be over consuming and that's going to lead to weight gain in the future. It's also going to lead to increased high blood pressure risk because high processed foods are high in sodium. And that's where most of your sodium of the day will actually come from, not from salting your food, I promise. So take that in consideration and try to avoid heavily processed foods as much as you can. It's very difficult because these are manufactured in order to make it so you don't stop eating them. I know even though I think I can control myself because oh, I lost 130 pounds, so I, I have myself together, right? That's not true, because science has figured out a way to engineer these foods so that you don't stop eating. So even though I have all these healthy habits in place and I know how to monitor and moderate and control and whatever, as soon as I get some sort of heavily processed food in my hands, it tends to go out the window. Once you've gotten your processed foods together and you're starting to eat primarily whole foods, the next thing you should focus on is prioritizing protein. So protein helps you build and maintain muscle to keep your metabolism up. And then the more muscle you have slash maintain, the less injury you're likely to have because muscle is what keeps you strong. It's what's gonna help you stay balanced when you're about to fall. So muscle is very important and protein is very important for your muscle. Most people don't consume nearly enough protein. I think for some reason, the daily amount of protein is set at 50 grams, which is really nothing. I can get that in basically a meal and a half if I'm actually eating responsibly because I prioritize protein. So most people should aim to 0.6 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight or even to one gram per pound of body weight. And that will be good to maintain muscle mass and to build muscle if that's your goal, especially if you're trying to lose weight. Protein is very important because it fills you up a lot faster. It keeps you fuller longer. It actually takes more energy to digest than other macronutrients. So protein has a lot of benefits that you should be taking advantage of because it's there and it's not necessarily cheap, but it's beneficial and those benefits outweigh the cost. The next thing that you should adopt as a good nutritional habit to follow is to listen to your body. So I will get back to this in more detail later, but basically to sum this up, it's stop eating when you're full, eat when you're hungry, and pay attention to what doesn't sit well with you. If something's making you feel bloated, maybe you should avoid that food instead of continuing to eat it. And finally, don't get too hungry. People get hangry when they're hungry. I know I get very hangry when I am very hungry. Hunger is usually a sign that you probably should have fueled up a while ago and your body is kind of angry at you, I, I say. Try to avoid this by eating every three to five hours, maybe a little snack in between meals if it's not a mealtime yet. 
Also, don't go out to eat with your friends or your family when you haven't had any sort of snack or anything, especially if you have a weight problem. I know if I don't have a snack before I go out to a dinner or something, then I tend to order whatever comes to my mind and then I eat the whole thing. Whereas if I had had a snack before, maybe I would have been able to control myself so I'm not overeating like a restaurant platter with thousands of calories. Also, when you're hungry, that's also when you tend to eat literally everything you see because, oh, it's available, I'm hungry, I don't have time to prepare it. You're probably not going to want to sit there and roast vegetables if you're super hungry. So plan in advance. Make sure you're eating before this hunger happens. So my next three tips or next three sections are about the three types of eating that people tend to see. So that's intuitive eating, calorie counting, and intermittent fasting. Notice I didn't mention keto. I don't recommend keto for anybody, unless for some reason you actually don't like carbs, but I'm pretty sure most people like carbs. So the problem with keto is that if you like carbs, it's not sustainable because you're gonna one day wanna get back to those carbs that you're eating and then inevitably the diet's gonna fail. So no, don't do keto. Intuitive eating. So that's just what I mentioned before, the listen to your body principle. I read a whole book on intuitive eating, which is basically eating intuitively, which is bringing back the eating that you might have had when you were a kid and before you were given any sort of diet culture messages or any sort of manipulating beliefs. The first tip for intuitive eating is to listen to your body. Like I said, that's eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, making sure you're eating things that agree with you. You just want to be in tune with your body so you know what your body wants that day. A lot of times I focus on trying to get better at intuitive eating. So when I look at a menu, I'm like, hmm, what does my body feel like today? Because maybe I don't feel like having the same kale salad three days in a row, because I do do that sometimes. But if for some reason this day is different and I am feeling something else, I have a right to go on that different food. I'm not restricted to anything. Which leads me to the next point of intuitive eating. Don't restrict yourself from any single food. This is incredibly difficult for anybody who's lost a lot of weight or anybody who is overweight because you've been told for the longest time to avoid certain foods because they're a trigger food and you're going to overeat it and everything's going to fall apart. Well, a lot of that is because you have been restricting yourself from that food. So your body, when it's allowed to have that food, will decide to go overboard because, oh, I'm suddenly allowed to have it. Let me get as much as it can before it goes away. So last year, I had to work on a nutritionist with a lot of these things, a lot of this intuitive eating stuff, because I had created a lot of patterns that resulted in this restrict and binge mentality. What we worked on a lot was taking a food a week and going to find a way to normalize that food. I remember one week, my food was ice cream. And she just told me, if you feel like having ice cream, just have it when you want. I'm like, I can have ice cream for breakfast. That's so insane. But who's saying you can't have ice cream for breakfast? Why are you putting that little restriction on yourself? And I found that when I did allow myself to have ice cream throughout the day, and I wasn't feeling guilty about it, or 
feeling like I overate it, if I just allowed myself to have it as much as I wanted when I wanted it, I was able to come to this level where I didn't need to overeat the ice cream when I was able to have it. I was able to just take a little bit and then be okay with it for the rest of the day. Restriction always leads to overeating and binging. So take time to find some sort of trigger food for you. And maybe if you are able to, just give yourself time to experiment with allowing yourself to have that food. The first few times, yes, you probably will end up overeating the food, but over time, you'll get desensitized to that restriction. The next thing with intuitive eating is actually taking the time to eat without distraction. So that means put down your phone, please. I don't understand why eating has become something where it's a background activity, where you eat while you're doing your work. Put down your phone, turn off your computer, put away the book. Eat. Just eat your food. A lot of people, when they're distracted, tend to eat more because they're not actually paying attention to how they're eating their food. They're not paying attention to their hunger fullness cues. They're just mindlessly going through the motions and trying to get the food in as quickly as possible so they can get back to their work or just continue their work because they haven't even stopped their work. Mealtime should be for meals. It shouldn't be to do other things. You should just be focusing on eating the food that's in front of you. And I promise you, you're going to make better decisions because you're going to actually notice, ooh, that burger did not go down very well. Or, oh, I'm actually really full right now. Why am I still eating? These things are things you won't notice if you're distracted. I tell this to, or some of my former clients, I made sure that they stopped using their phones, turning on the TV, doing homework while they ate and just focused on eating and being present with eating. Yes, it's uncomfortable at first because you're so used to distracting yourself 24-7 that it's going to be uncomfortable. However, it's invaluable because it gives you time to just be with yourself and be with the food and actually enjoy it because food is a very enjoyable thing in today's culture and society. And if you're not actually enjoying it, you're missing out on a lot. You should be able to enjoy food and feel the joy for what it has to bring to you. And this final point on intuitive eating goes hand in hand, and that's to eat mindfully. So that means center, stay present, taste the food, and feel the texture of the food. So with my nutritionist, we worked a lot on centering before taking a meal. So that means just sitting there, taking a few deep breaths, looking at the food, acknowledging that you're about to eat, accepting that you are nourishing your body and just taking the moment to get calm from whatever you were doing, not rushing into the meal, almost like going to a bedtime, I would say, like a wind down routine sort of thing. However, this is minimized. You're just taking one or two deep breaths and then you're just going for it. Because I found when I took these one or two deep breaths, I actually did focus more on my food. I ended up eating less because I realized I was full faster For some reason, just that centering beforehand actually made a significant difference in what I was able to to do. Then again, you want to stay present and eat without distraction. Make sure you're paying attention to bite by bite. Focus on the food that's in your mouth, not the food that's on the fork. A lot of people, when they go into binge binge sessions, are actually focusing on the next bite. They're not focusing on the bite that's currently in their mouth. So you want to actually pay attention to what the food is tasting like, what's the texture of the food, how can you enjoy it, or what it is. 
Intuitive eating is the goal of eating. Everybody wants to get to a level of intuitive eating because that means you don't need to calorie count or do anything. You just need to eat to eat and fuel your body properly. But most people aren't there yet. So I'm going to go back to calorie counting. I did mention this back in episode 10 where I talked about nutrition, but here we are again. Calorie counting is very important if you have a specific goal. It's really good if you're trying to lose weight. It's good if you're trying to build muscle. And it's also good if you're trying to check on your metabolism. However, it's really not the best habit for those who have eating disorder tendencies. Calorie counting is necessary for people who are trying to lose weight because you need to be in a caloric deficit in order to lose weight. There's no way around that principle. That is just math and science. Same with building muscle. If you want to build muscle, you have to be actually consuming more than you take in so your body is in a growth anabolic phase. And if you're checking on your metabolism, that's just trying to make sure before you do a cut or a bulk, losing weight or building muscle, you want to make sure your metabolism's in a good spot. So that would be measuring every single thing you eat just to see how much you're intaking to maintain your current body weight. But it's not the best habit for those with eating disorders because it relies on you almost obsessively writing down what you're eating, trying to find numbers, determining, oh, I need to restrict myself here because I'm actually going over my budget. There's a lot of things that play this mental game when it comes to calorie counting. So for those people who do have eating disorder tendencies where it tends to become something obsessive and you start freaking out over the number of calories you're taking in, maybe calorie counting isn't the best for you and you should focus more on intuitive eating. Right now, my go-to app for anybody who's trying to do calorie counting is called MyFitnessPal. It's free on the App Store. Don't pay for the subscription. It's really not worth it. I don't know why people do that. Unless you have money to spend and you feel like paying for it, go ahead but you might as well just hire a personal trainer with that money and give me a job. Anyways, so my streak on my fitness pal right now is 860 days. I've been doing this for a really long time because that's how I started losing my weight and that's how I've been maintaining my weight. When I did stop calorie counting for a few months, I did end up creeping back up the scale. So I've resumed it since then, even though like I always check in with the app just because it kind of controls my life right now, even though you know it is there. It doesn't control my life. I I am in control of my life. I have my own person. But (laughs) this app is very helpful in just tracking what I eat throughout the day, making sure I'm reasonable. I found my portion size is going up and I can see how that's actually impacting the amount of calories I consume and what that's doing with my body. Now, when you calorie count, it's very important to not obsess over calories because it's very easy for it to become obsessive and stressful. And it shouldn't be another source of stress in your life because you probably have a ton of other things that you're stressed about. You don't need anything else new to be stressed about. So don't let calories become stress in your life. If it is, then take a break. Stop. And then... With calorie counting, it's also important to be honest and have no judgment, especially in the beginning, because you want to see what your baseline is. So your body actually doesn't care what you put into MyFitnessPal because you put it into your body. So if you eat like a whole cake and you decide to not log that whole cake, 
okay, my fitness pal doesn't know you ate the cake. However, your body really does. And your body will respond to those extra calories. So just because you're hiding it from the app doesn't really mean anything. But it's important to be honest and just accept that, yeah, you did eat a whole cake. So, okay, it happened. So put it in the app. Don't panic. Just write it down and go from there. Because a lot of times when I find I have these days where I do kind of go overboard with something, if I'm actually honestly logging, I haven't done that bad, which is really different than it has been in the past, because in the past, it tended to be, oh, I went overboard by like a thousand calories. However, recently, it's just been a couple hundred calories, and maybe I'm not even over my calorie goal for some reason. Logging these things, it might give you some sort of reassurance that, okay, you know, I can actually fit these indulgences into my calorie allowance without going overboard. And that's a good thing. But it would also allow you to see, okay, so when I have this food, it tends to make me overeat later in the day. So maybe I should avoid that food. So just be conscious of everything that you eat. Be honest with yourself. Put it in the app. Your body doesn't care. And a saying that I really like is don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. So a lot of people, if they're trying to avoid calorie counting, will say, oh, man, I couldn't log that meal. I'm just not going to log the rest of my day. And then they just don't log anything else. However, okay, you couldn't log one meal, but there's still two more meals of the day. There's still snacks in the day. There's so much more you can log and track. So why are you trying to avoid it? Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Don't let your perfection stop you from doing some sort of good habit throughout your day. So if you're starting calorie counting, what you should do is download MyFitnessPal and then for the first week, just track every single thing you put into your mouth in the app. Every single thing. No bites, licks, and tastes without putting in the app. So what you do with that is you get your baseline of calories because the app gives you some sort of goal, but it doesn't know who you are as a person. It doesn't know your actual activity levels. It doesn't know that you might get like 5,000 steps a day versus 20,000 steps a day. It doesn't know that. So you need to figure out what your maintenance is by eating how you do normally and just logging everything. At the end of the week, you take the average of this and see if your weight stayed the same. If it stayed the same, that is your maintenance calories. So then from there, if you're trying to lose weight, you cut about 500 calories a week. If you're trying to gain muscle, you add about two to 300 calories a week. And if you're maintaining, you just want to make sure you're staying on average with that goal. Okay, and the final nutritional habit, I guess, that I want to talk about is intermittent fasting. So I use intermittent fasting during my weight loss journey for, I think, two or three months. And I'm very conflicted about it because obviously it works. Because when you're not eating, you're not eating. It's, it's really that simple. However, there's some issues with it if you're trying to do it for weight loss. So I really don't recommend it for weight loss. So intermittent fasting is good for building your willpower and spiritual integrity. Because when you're not eating, you actually have to sit with your hunger. You know what true hunger is because you're actually not eating. So you know it's not just a craving. You know you are actually hungry because you haven't eaten for like a day. But it's not necessarily good for weight loss because it's actually starving yourself. When you don't eat, you're starving yourself purposefully. And that's not a good thing to do. Uh, 
I, I really don't know how else to say that because a lot of people say it's the holy grail for weight loss. Yes, I lost quite a bit of weight with intermittent fasting, but the reason I lost that weight is because I was in a caloric deficit. That's all that was. There's no other benefits from fasting I was getting, even though I told myself, oh yes, I'm getting all these longevity benefits by not eating. No, I was actually starving myself when I created a disordered pattern with eating because I was doing intermittent fasting. So if you're trying to lose weight, please do not touch intermittent fasting. It'll be really hard to break out of that pattern. And it's also not very sustainable long-term. I was doing one meal a day for a little while and I was doing alternate day fasting. However, what if you have a friend who wants to hang out back to back? How are you gonna make that work? You're just not gonna eat in front of them. You're gonna sit in a restaurant awkwardly just sipping water. Yeah, <laughs> so don't rely on intermittent fasting for weight loss. So that's my rant on why you shouldn't do intermittent fasting. Creates disordered eating. It's not a good thing. However, if you're not losing weight and you just want to feel more in tune with your body, intermittent fasting is great because again, sitting without food for a long time is very difficult. And that helps you build your, your discipline, your mental willpower in order to tolerate periods where you might not be getting enough food or something like that. And it just allows you to see who you truly are when you're kind of in your most primal state of evolution. So there are different types of fasting. So there's 16, eight. So that means 16 hours of the day you're fasting and you have an eight hour window. So that usually looks like, I think a 10 to six window for a lot of people or a 12 to eight window where they're eating food, but the rest of the day they're not eating. Then there's one meal a day, which I did for a while, where you literally just eat one meal a day. A lot of people do this for dinner. Uh, studies actually show that maybe breakfast is the best meal of the day to have and skip the rest because you're fueling for the day and then your body uses the fuel. Whereas if you're eating at night, then you're just going to sleep. So your body's not really using that fuel that you gave it until the next day. So something to keep in mind. Then there is alternate day fasting, which is the other one I did, where I literally just ate every other day. This one, it was very unsustainable over time, but it was really sustainable in the moment. I think it was sustainable on a college budget because back then I really didn't need to spend that much money on food because I really wasn't eating half the time. But it's not sustainable in the long run because like I said, if you're going out with friends or family, and you have to miss one of your fasting days, you're gonna feel guilty, then inevitably, it's gonna probably lead to some sort of rebellion in the future. So just don't do that. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. There's also 5-2, which is kind of, I guess like a hybrid of the two, where you eat five days of the week and then you just fast on the weekends or just two other days of the week. So again, these long fasts, they say they do have some benefits. I didn't look up the benefits because I don't want to give any false hopes to anybody who might be trying to lose weight and needing some sort of loophole to do it. But there are some benefits like longevity wise, like cellular restoration, autophagy, things like that, that you can look up. However, again, just don't create a disordered 
relationship with eating and food by starving yourself and calling it intermittent fasting. I promise you it won't be good in the long run. I'll probably have to spend, I think I spent six months with the nutritionist in increments of three months at a time. So I spent three months with one and then I took a break and then I got back with another one for three months. And I was lucky that my school provided nutritionists for free. However, if your school doesn't do that, that's money that you are spending that you could have just spent on actually eating your food, but you spent it on avoiding food and now you're recovering from that. So think about it. And finally, when it comes to nutrition, I cannot not talk about supplements. So supplements are anything that is usually in a powder or capsule form that supplements what you don't get in your diet. This tends to be vitamins, they have protein supplements, they have also random herbal supplements. So supplements do have their benefits and their places. The only way I can sum it up is that supplements are good if you're using it to supplement your regular whole food diet. If you don't have a good sustainable whole food diet, you're not getting enough nutrition nutrients from your food and you're using supplements to kind of make up for that and you need to address the diet first. A supplement should be kind of a last resort type of thing. So protein supplements, I recommend these if you can't consume enough protein from whole foods, then you can supplement with, with protein powder. So they have a lot on the market. Uh, whey protein is probably the best protein supplement if you would do ingest dairy. If you're lactose intolerant, then they have pea protein and a ton of other plant-based proteins I know out there. But protein powder is really good. If for some reason you don't like regular protein powder, they do have, there's the cereal that I talked about on last week's episode that I kind of have a problem with, but I'm not restricting it, I promise. Um, it's called Magic Spoon Cereal that's made with whey protein, and it's protein-packed cereal in like a 150-calorie serving. It has about 14 grams of protein, which is a pretty good ratio. Now, I say protein powders are kind of a last resort because you do want to get most of your protein from whole food sources like meat, tofu, beans, all of these protein sources that are out there because those are the things that are going to get you those micronutrients, which I'm going to get to in a minute, that are going to help you to feel your best. So micronutrients are not macronutrients. Macronutrients, carbs, fats, and proteins are the big nutrients that your body needs in mass quantities. However, micronutrients are smaller things. These are fiber, vitamin A, potassium. Well, potassium is an electrolyte. But <laughs> little things like that that you would tend to find in a multivitamin. So for these sorts of things, again, you want to make sure you're getting as many whole foods as possible, eating a ton of fruits and veggies and meats because they're all nutrient-dense foods. But you ultimately should probably get your blood tested to see where you might have these vitamin deficiencies with your current diet. Because some people, most people have a vitamin D deficiency Omega-3 is also another common one. I know iron for some women, especially, 
So these things need to be found out if they're in check because you also don't want to over supplement. So let's say you do have enough vitamin D, getting too much vitamin D, I'm pretty sure has some negative health effects. So make sure you're getting your blood work done, finding out what you need to supplement on and getting supplements accordingly. I would say that's the best thing than blindly consuming vitamins and just kind of hoping because then you know that you are doing what your body actually needs and it is a supplement that you need because it's not coming in enough through your diet. And then finally, two supplements that I recommend. The first is creatine monohydrate. So creatine is a substance your body uses to generate ATP, which is the fuel for your muscles in any sort of performance. For musicians, I think this is beneficial because it can increase your ATP stores when you consume creatine. Because creatine, what it does is it does increase the amount of muscle that you, amount of energy your muscle can store in a given tissue. So people, especially athletes use this. I use this for primarily weightlifting, but I think it has music benefits too. But when you're using it for weightlifting or any sort of athletic performance, it is going to increase the energy output your, your body can have. It also makes your muscles look bulkier, gives you more energy throughout the day. There are so many more benefits to creatine and it's one of the most studied supplements out there. And it's also one of the most affordable supplements out there. So if you are just existing, I think creatine is something that you should take about three to five grams every single morning. I usually mix it in with my coffee. The capsules are expensive and the flavored powders are expensive. So go for unflavored creatine that you can just pour into your coffee and be done with it. I think for music performance, creatine's good because I know when I have my creatine, my face doesn't die as quickly as it usually does when I'm not taking it. I'm thinking about doing a study on this in the future, maybe for my dissertation. So we'll see in the next few years. And the other supplement is called theanine, L-theanine, which is an amino acid that has a really nice calming effect on your body. It's naturally occurring in green tea. What they say to do is actually combine it with your cup of coffee in the morning too. So have a little bit of theanine and caffeine, and it actually takes the edge off of the caffeine that you have, and it will increase your focus throughout the day, make you feel calm, doesn't make you tired. So it's something that I tend to take with my coffee in the morning or if I'm starting to feel anxious throughout the day and don't wanna rely on a medication. So before I go, I just wanna remind everybody that I'm not a nutritionist. I still don't have my nutrition certification. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not a doctor. So please do not take this advice at face value. This advice is advice. It's not for medical purposes and don't treat me like a doctor, please, because I'm not a doctor. I don't want to get sued for anything. I'm just here. This is for informational purposes only. So as always, if you have any questions, please contact me. You can do that through social media, or you can email me at pigotjasmine at gmail.com, and I will get back to you, especially if you have any other episode tips or ideas or just questions in general, because I could do a whole question episode. So. Yeah, contact me. Anyways, so let's move on to roses, buds, and thorns. 
So my thorn this week, I might have procrastinated on studying for an exam that I have coming up and I'm kind of regretting it because I feel really unprepared for the exam, but I knew it was in my power because I knew I was actively procrastinating because I actually told myself, okay, I can do this tomorrow. I know it's coming in two days, but I can do it tomorrow and I will do it tomorrow because why do today what you can do tomorrow? So I procrastinated on the exam. It still hasn't happened yet. It'll be on Friday. So tomorrow on the day this is being released, uh, we'll see how this goes. I think I have two days to get it together, so it'll be okay. But again, me and procrastination has not been the best combination recently, and I need to kind of figure that out. I should probably listen to my own advice on, what was that, episode nine about the art of scheduling. So yeah, don't procrastinate. My bud this week, my childhood best friend, Naomi Tuber, uh, I met her in Boston, or not Boston, Belmont, uh, when I was growing up there. I We met in the fifth grade, and we've been like friends on and off, even since I moved from Massachusetts to New York. And uh, she lives in D.C., so she's coming to visit Baltimore this weekend and spend time with me. And I'm also seeing Jermaine Fryer, who's a euphonium player, who was also in my uh, Black Tubist Ensemble. So I met David Lamate last week, and this weekend I'm meeting Jermaine Fryer. We're going to start an all-Black quartet soon, which is going to be really exciting. So I'm looking forward to these two friends that I'm going to see and the opportunities that are going to come out of these relationships. And my rose for this week, my mom decided to come visit me this past weekend, and it was a really good time to just spend time with her because I have been feeling a little bit lonely here in Baltimore recently because I just don't know many people yet. So having my mom around was a really good time. We went to a few restaurants. We went shopping. We went on a walk. Oh, I also ran 15, 13 or 15 miles, depending on if you want to look at my phone or my watch. But I ran a ton of miles this weekend, too, while she was here. And I think that a lot of the fact that she was here to kind of cheer me on when I got back a sweaty mess after two hours and 15 minutes. So it was nice to have her support there. So that's my rose. And I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. So please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts when you have the chance. I'm going to try to increase my social media presence. So find my social media accounts in the outro. Hopefully we'll have weekly tips for you coming out through Instagram as soon as I get Canva together. So yeah, um, again, please contact me. I always love hearing from my fans and I appreciate you all. So share, like, rate. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Harmony and Healing. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Harmony and Healing Podcast. And you can find me personally at The Jazzy Tubist on both Facebook and Instagram. And at my website, jasminepiggit.com. I'll see you next Thursday. A podcast about music, health, wellness, and activism that will help you to leave balance. Oh, God.